Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right. Here we are again for another uh, another podcast. Just wanted to thank everybody for listening in. Um, we have uh, Michael Pluso here. What's up, everybody? Michael Pl- Chinese Medicine Mastery and Practical Chinese Herbology. Uh, the Facebook page is Practical Chinese Herbology, and of course, uh, this is uh, also this is uh, oh Chinese Medicine that works. That's what <laughs> we're kind of combining <laughs> the two now at this point. So, but we want to we want to go over a few things today. I think we have a, some some good stuff to cover. Uh, we want to go over our weekend last weekend that we had. Michael, you were there, um, and then uh, some fun complaints that we received. And then we want to talk about some contraindications and uh, are they really necessary at this point? So first thing uh, we'll dive right into is what a weekend. I mean, you talk about revolutionizing, and I know I put that up in a couple different posts, but I can't think of another way to put it other than that it's completely changing the way people will practice aesthetic acupuncture. Well, what did you think about the seminar? I thought First of all, big shout out to Traval Kroon. That was awesome. Um, we really we had a lot of fun um, at the seminar. We had a lot of fun outside the seminar. It was just a really great weekend in general. Really good bonding. But uh, I will say for sure that the aesthetic acupuncture. I mean, it was super straightforward. He stripped it down. You know, no, just right to the nuts and bolts. No frills. I mean, you know, it's like he he said in the interview with you guys on the podcast. He's like, if they told me to do it, I didn't do it. <laughs> And, you know, it's like if someone tells you that you have to do that, he's like, I didn't do it. And I just thought I would see what happens, you know. And I think that that's great. I think that's keeping in the spirit of CMTW. I think that's keeping in the spirit of just saying, hey, you know what? Just because things have always been done this way doesn't mean that that's the best way or certainly the most efficient way. And you got guys like Traval and certainly the entire team at CMTW, all the people that are teaching the seminars, you know, really boiling it down again to what works. And, you know, mm-hmm. for Travel, it was no different. He, here's a guy who, you know, he, he's, taken, he's taken a whole bunch of cosmetic stuff and uh, facial acupuncture, and he boiled it down to what works in, in, in his particular practice. And he added his own twists and his own flavors and his own experiments over time. But a lot of it was really heavily researched and really informed by a lot of mm-hmm. clinical evidence. So I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, it's really straightforward. It was certainly something I walked out being like, yeah, I can do this immediately. Yeah, and you can and you can put it right into your existing practice. You didn't have to change. Oh well, for aesthetic acupuncture, now we have to reserve, a, you know, an hour or an hour and a half or even two hours. People are doing two-hour treatments, and you know they're in the room because traditionally, I don't call it traditionally, but historically or whatever, in other systems, they're in the room for a really really long time. And here, his treatments are what yeah. five five minutes ten. Well, yeah, I think for the practitioner, on the practitioner side of things, the practitioner is in the room for a couple of minutes, then they're gone, then mm-hmm. they come back for a few more minutes, and then they're gone. I mean, the whole treatment itself might last 45 minutes to an hour in terms of the patient being there, but the sure. practitioner's hands-on time is probably, what, 15, 18 minutes total, maybe? Right, and you can absolutely, you know, it's really, 
Yeah, well, there we go with the delay again. So uh, you can absolutely um, do the treatment with everything within a half an hour. But yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that we want. I want to emphasize too is that Travell wasn't said. Travell didn't say this is what you have to do. He said, try this, take take what you like, play with it, change it up. You know, if you want to do body points, do body points. He even had a body protocol. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, do that any any longer. Um, he does have some patients that still get it. He hasn't noticed a big difference or any difference between having those and ha- not having them. Um, I'm talking body points as far as for the actual face. Um, if people have other issues going on, then of course. But you know, he said, you, you know, incorporate it into your practice what you want. But here is what I do, and it's no all the fuck is gone. All the stuff that isn't necessary. And like you said, he's had the clinical feedback isn't necessary. So it really removes a ton of wasted time. Absolutely. And so much of what we do in Chinese medicine at times can be folklore, legend, you know, oh, you know, you have too much chi going to someone's head or their face because you're putting all those needles in it. So you have to needle, you know, gallbladder 41 to make sure that, you know, you, you, you sink the chi or whatever. Sounds like a bunch of nonsense, and that's exactly what Travell said, Travell said, and he just didn't do it anymore. And guess what? People don't get headaches. And if they do, that was the ironic, the ironic, the ironic, excuse me, the ironic part of it is that if people did get headaches, he could look at it and see it, oh, well, maybe the needle's actually hitting a trigger point and referring pain. You just take the needle out. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that, too, in, in, in just needling uh, a face for different reasons and different conditions over the years, is that you see sure. that, you know, he, he actually – took um, a couple patients that that had happened on and realized, oh, yeah, that was the masseter, and that's, that's why they had a headache in those particular areas, because that's the referral zone. Exactly. Oh, There's a mechanical oh. <laughs> explanation for it. Right, right. So when, a mechan- when, when you have an explanation of it that's available, why not take it? Otherwise, yeah, there are a lot of theories, of course, and we, and we have to go with those sometimes, but if you have an explanation that's right in front of you, that's, you know, going to, he could have taken it and, and said, oh my God, now we need to do all these body points and added so all this back into the treatment. And really, you don't have to because this is why it was happening. And he was able to see that, you know, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. And, you know, he's like, they're coming in, they're coming in for a facial. So just give them the facial. And if they need or want more, then you can add those things on. And that's what was cool about him. He just said, basically, fit it into your existing practice. And there's no protocols that you have to follow. These are just things that I do. You can use one, two, or all of these things. You can use the Saluma unit. You can use the E-STEM. You can use the masks. You could use one of them or two of them. You can, you can mix and match it because what he's created is really a brilliant layering system and a layering technique. So, yeah, if you do all of them, if you – do the protocol and the saluma and the mask and the e-sim and the lifting serum and the cupping and the gua sha. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that person's going to walk out looking pretty damn good. And how many modalities did you just do in such a short time because you layered them in the right way that right. you Right, and could. that's where the whole – that's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing because you walk away – you know, and, and then, you know, he made that point. Like if somebody says, well, you know, I'm paying 80 bucks for my facial. Why am I paying 150 for yours? It's like, because you're getting like five modalities. That's why. Or yeah, 200, it's you not, know? Right. It's not just time. And I think that, that a lot of, a lot of patients, a lot of people out there in the population have been trained to think that time equals value. Oh, well I'm no, 
you're not, you're not, we're not being paid by the minute necessarily. We're being paid by the skill. And if we can deliver these things in less time, that in no way reduces the value or the importance or the, you know, the worth of the treatment. So, you know, my, I implore people to start thinking about it in that way say, Hey, if you have a patient that you are able to work on in 15 minutes, don't lower your rates. I mean, your rates should stay the same because you are able to do that in 15 minutes and a lot of people aren't. And you're able to do that because of your additional training that you've invested in. That's exactly it. Your 15 minutes is simply worth more. Um, you know, the old joke is like, you know, it's three cents for the needle and $150 to know where to put it. Yeah, right. Oh, that's, that's, so, you know. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. And so going back to why this is, this, this is revolutionizing aesthetic acupuncture is because many of the systems out there have relied on body protocols and, you know, again, a lot of time, face-to-face time with a patient that is not necessarily delivering any more um, effective treatments to the patient. Um, just by, exactly. you, by virtue of you being in the room doesn't mean that that patient's getting a better treatment. A lot of these modalities are, can be unattended. And, and there's time that the needles are in, and then you layer it with another modality on top of that. Um, the facial cupping does not have to be, or the gua doesn't have to be. I mean, it's the face. I mean, how long can you possibly spend on, on that area? So it's really changing. A, a lot of the complaints, too, or a lot of the reasons why people either weren't using it or hadn't previously pursued training in this is because they thought that it was too, too, took too much time. I mean, that was one of the things that came up in when in the uh, in the seminar, right? Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a time currency thing. I mean, for most people, as you move in, move on in your life, you realize that the most precious commodity is time. It's the most valuable asset, and that no dollar amount is really worth your time. So you do your best to trade your time for money, but in the end, the the least amount of time that you spend doing things that aren't what you're best at, the, the better, because, you know, that's what, that's the whole Tim Ferriss four hour work week thing. And that's like the whole like misunderstanding around that is that you, it's not that you're only working four hours a week. It's that you're spending your four hours or that you're spending minimal time doing things that are not your, you're not suited best to do and outsourcing and making sure that other people are doing things for you that you're not an expert in. And so you can spend the time doing the things that you're best at. Right. Yeah. So, and that's, and I think that's great because then what happens is every minute that you spend doing what you're doing, you're spending doing at a high level and at what you're the most expert at doing instead of spending time going, Oh, well, I got to redesign my website. Well, I'm not an expert at that. I should have somebody else do that. Or, Oh, I got to go out and do some marketing event. Well, I'm not really great at that. I need to hire a marketing director. I'm great at treating patients. So I'm going to spend all my time doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of down the road. That's time current. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but even in the realm of okay, now you're treating patients. Well, how how efficient can you be at that? Oh, exactly. well, it turns out to be, and especially in this particular, um, I'll call it specialty, uh, you can turns out you can be really really efficient, and you can see three people in an hour, or I mean, you could even see four people in an hour exactly. if you really want to to do that. Not and three or four. Yeah. Yeah, and and you, now you've given results. like three or four people. You've given like three or four people really, really high quality treatments because you understand how to stack things and, and manage time efficiently. And so not only have you given them really high quality treatments, you've also managed to up your value because in the course of an hour, you've given four, you know, four treatments 
that would have normally taken two hours a piece if you were diddling around and farting around in the room in an inefficient way. Exactly. So the takeaway is, is that, you know, don't think because you're spending more time with the patient that they're getting anything better, that they're getting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that was the weekend that was with Traval. Great seminar. Um, We have, he has another one coming up. Um, We had such a good, uh, turnout with that one and, and a lot of good feedback. So we, he has another one October 6th and 7th, and that's in Syracuse, New York. Definitely worth a trip and all the hardship of traveling to Syracuse. Uh, definitely, definitely worth it. It's going to be a great time. And you'll, you'll learn really stuff. Difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Getting, you know, it is, it is hard to get on a plane and have it take you where you're going. That is a hardship. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've always carry, found that. I find, yeah, I mean, yeah, there aren't a lot of direct flights in Syracuse. I get that. But um, once you're here, man, this last seminar, we had somebody come from Ireland. We had somebody come from Hawaii, California, all ends of the continent, really, and, and, and in Europe, of course. And... Well, yeah, getting here could be a bitch, but once you're here, it's going to be totally yeah. worth it. And that's that's one of the things I mean, that we harp on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is this is the same thing that I've been saying forever. How bad do you want it? It's not about it being convenient. What in life that's really worth it is ever convenient? It's like mm-hmm. if you want something bad enough and it's really awesome, you're going to go get it, and yep. you're not going to complain that it's not in your backyard. And um, in fact, the, the 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 people that traveled from afar um, really had a great time. They got a lot of, a lot out of it, and they're going to be incorporating it immediately. And there you go. I mean, that, that just encompasses everything about our seminar. So, so it's a great weekend again, October sixth and seventh. That's Travel's next one, and it's going to be it's going to be fun. And then we're trying to get them out in Ireland as well. So with that, we'll move on to. Uh, some complaints that we uh, have received, and it's nothing new, but uh, this was in, this was interesting. Um, yeah, we've been accused of of having reckless rhetoric, I guess you could say, or uh, you know, uh, uh, well, let me just tell you that this particular time, the the key words were, uh, you know, we 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 risk demoralizing and scaring. Uh, grad, new graduates and people and students, and also um, possibly preventing people from wanting to even enroll in an acupuncture program. You know, this is this is like we were laughing about this earlier. You know, things come full circle, and you and I were kind of kind of kind of laughing earlier about how you know every once in a while you got to stir things up again. I mean, the whole birth of CMTW we, we went over in the last podcast, but. You know, it seems like every couple of years we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of, of us founding this whole thing in, like, what, August of 2015, you know. And, and it started out with, with us being firebrands, uh, and there's sort of – it seems to be coming circle again. You know, we're getting hit with criticisms as, as CMTW grows into this really strong and influential force within the field. You're going to get some pushback, and actually I think that's a good sign. I think that that's a sign that you're actually making an impact if you're getting that kind of pushback. And if we're going to get some criticism, it's fine. The criticism is fine, so long as it's actually based in some kind of reality. 
Well, and, all, and, and a big part of it is that he was disconnected between the educational institutions and the actual real world uh, uh, practice, you know, and, and what really actually has to happen when you go out there and you try to rely on your um, skills to make a living, not a hobby, and actually yeah. not relying yeah, on second job, that... not relying, you know. Right. Not relying on spousal income, second jobs. I think that's all critical. And you want to know what's really scary and demoralizing? When you're in school and you suddenly realize or have this sense that, like, I'm not even sure that what I'm learning even works. Um, I'm not sure why I'm learning practice management from someone who's never actually been in practice because the schools like to recruit on a revolving door basis students that may have graduated a year before or two years before yeah. that went out into the world and maybe couldn't make it full time. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's scary. When I know that I've got, I'm learning from someone like Jimmy Yen or Sharina Sparks or people who are out there kicking ass in the real world okay. day in and day out, full throttle, full time and making a lot of money doing it. Meaning just from a, it's not always about the money. I get that. But from a practice management perspective, they're the ones I want to listen to. Because they're the ones that I'm thinking, okay, I can emulate. I want to be like that. These people know what they're talking about from experience. And so I think it's actually quite the opposite. I think what's really terrifying is what the schools lay out. I think what's really awesome is what CMTW is laying out. Because right from its inception, it's really been about kicking ass with real world, real life applicability and practicality from all things, not just needling and herbal medicine, but to practice management too. Right. Right. So the fact that, you know, we're going to be, um, you know, we're, because basically it stems from um, a statistic that we have, I believe it's probably still up on the original practice medicine that works website, but you know, where did that statistic come from? Well, it came from an, an NCCAOM survey that you took, I believe, back in 2010. It may have even been earlier. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, you go with the data that you have. And, you know, it found that there was a high failure rate in this field of practitioners where they, they a great majority of them would stop practicing after five years. And, you know, so that's where we get our data from. We're not using it as a scare tactic. That's the most ridiculous thing ever because, in fact, what we're doing is we're using it as motivation and we're using it as acknowledgement of what's going on in the field not let's just you know it's not just roses like the schools like this you know oh, it's going to be great you're going to you know you're going to have a successful happy satisfying career but meanwhile we know the reality of the situation and that's that thousands of people uh did not feel that in fact they got demoralized because they graduated and then realized holy crap what did i get myself into and they're in hundred thousand or more dollars in debt so not to get too far ahead of myself, but, you know, this idea that we're going to be scaring students or people that want to go into school, you know, that's, that, that statistic is a reality. And if that's uncomfortable, well, then how is that our fault? How is that our problem? We're actually looking to solve the problem. In fact, it, Michael, if you remember, that was motivation for us because we, we said enough is enough with this failure rate. Enough is enough. We've had it. And, Second thing, before I, before I hand it over to you, there are, there are other surveys that have been done since then. People have taken the time uh, to, to do surveys on their own, and the, the results were just as uh, pretty much as dismal as, you know, the NCCAOMs and, and a survey. And, you know, the, the last thing is, you know, 
and now actually this rule was overturned with the recent with the new with the Trump administration, but the Obama administration had basically uh, the the Obama administration made it so that private colleges have to start being held accountable after the whole Corinthians College debacle, and I believe ITT Tech was in there too, where private colleges were taking people's money and not delivering on what they promised. Well, Southwest College, you know, they were doing because their graduates were making. Uh, you know, $17,000 on average, and they were in debt fifty dollars to $70,000. And so they got dinged. How many more colleges would, have, would be dinged if, if that rule wasn't, uh, you know, uh, if that, uh, I don't know what the hell you want to call it, but if the Trump administration didn't do away with that, uh, that kind of uh, flagging and that kind of tracking, uh, then how many more schools would be, would, would also have been flagged? So, you know, I like, I like how it becomes our, you know, we're the we're the ones out there that are, you know, causing these problems when actually because of these very problems, we started uh, the groups that we did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we look at debt to income ratio and you mentioned the Southwest college thing. I mean, $17,000 a year when you're, when the the average debt was 50 to 70,000 and realistically it's obviously much more than that for most of us. Yeah. Um, How how do you get by, really, how do you get by paying back that kind of debt on $9 an hour is really what it calculates out to be if you were working, you know, pretty much full time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really a horrifying state of affairs. And and it's it's offensive on some levels to think that, you know, you're going to get called out on this when, in fact, the reason that we started the whole company initially was to get people, you know, firmly rooted in Last night, what? you're checking the hotel last night, right? Oh, you're breaking up. Sorry, you're breaking up. Sorry, can you hear me? Yep, you're good. Go for it. Okay, sorry. We the whole purpose was to get people rooted in techniques that would allow them to get really good, dependable results to up their confidence and make more money in their clinics, so that they could actually pay their student loans back. And also, like we talked about later with Chinese medicine mastery and practical Chinese herbology deepen their studies of classics and deepen their studies of herbs and expand what they're using. But we all know from a practical perspective, most people that seek out Chinese medicine seek acupuncture. Oh. What do they seek acupuncture for? They seek it for yeah. pain mostly. Right. Right. And so you guys nailed it by, you know, really honing yeah, in on something like. Right. Strange. I mean. No, you're breaking up again. Motor- Oh, that's weird. I was. I think I'm getting a weird delay on my end. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can blame Blog Talk Radio. Always Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, always. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, and the idea that students, you don't want to scare them, they should be. Practicing is serious business. It's not, it's not something that you take lightly. It's not something that you're going to go into and say, yeah, let me just approach this as a hobby, and then suddenly it will magically turn into something. No, it should be... They should be, you know, um, they should, I don't know, scared, but they should be definitely, you know, worried enough that they're going to be serious about it. And right from the get-go, they're going to really address it, like, as a practitioner that's delivering a medicine. So, yeah, <laughs> well, you want to fluff? You want fluff? You want, you want like, you know, we all, oh, yeah, sure, unicorns and rainbows. I mean, I'm, I'm down with that, you know? Yeah, right. But that's not the reality of it. That's not the reality at all. And I mean, and we right. can, we can look. We've seen over and over again 
that these classes, these seminars, these skills that people get, new graduates or even students who are taking these classes, they come out of school and they kick ass. What a difference. What a difference. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's no thanks to the no thanks to the schools because still they're not even throwing them any any crumbs for God's sakes. You know, they they don't even want to acknowledge what clinically works because, you know, um, well, whatever. Who knows why? I don't know. It's you know, it's easier we've about accepted this. Is. I think yeah. we've we've accepted that you know that this particular pro, these programs are designed to help people pass the board, and that's fine. Like we've been harping on that forever. That's beating a dead horse. The bottom line is. It's time, I think, for the accreditation. I just think it's time for people to maybe rethink what it means to be an acupuncturist and also start to maybe rethink what the boards need to look like in order to incorporate some of these more really, really powerful techniques like motor points. Let's just, I mean, look, motor points is not something outside of Chinese medicine. If you look at it, I mean, it was available at Tri-State. That's where Rich Hazel learned it. Yeah, or uh, PECOM. Tri-State has the um, uh, trigger points. Yeah, right. So yeah, they're incorporating these things into their training programs. So my mm-hmm. question is, if they're in the training programs and they're so damn effective, why not just broaden the scope of what Chinese medicine or acupuncture means in the United States, teach students this stuff while they're actually in school so they don't graduate thinking, oh, my God, I have to rely on ECM to get me by in the world? Yeah, I mean, and that, and that even goes for herbal medicine, which, you know, they should also dive more into – well, anyway, into that, but you know, this this, exactly. this is a nice segment segue right into our next issue, and that is, you know, if the schools aren't preparing students properly, they're also not they're also not preparing or are helping the profession. And one of those is is one of the important things is you know they should really be pushing for students to uh, you know join their acupuncture societies and the importance of that. Regardless of whether or not they want to get political or not, the schools have a the schools have a a obligation an obligation I would say to really address that part of it because number one, if you're teaching them more skills, then ultimately practitioners will be practicing more different acupuncture techniques, and then scopes of practice can reflect that. And number two, if you get the students to start joining acupuncture societies, then students are uh, you know, and, and eventually, who are eventually will be practitioners, understand the importance of, of, of that and are more likely to stay in the acupuncture society. And, you know, right. Uh, yeah, right. And the last thing would be, you know, the schools are, and this is the, 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 the last topic I wanted to cover, was that, you know, there are, there's kind of dogma repeated, even within contraindications, that are not useful to the profession. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, so, and, and I suppose we can go right into that, that part here. And one of the big issues I have, and another person brought this up on one of the groups, I can't remember right now off the top of my head, but it, it had a really good point. And that's that, you know, why is this, why are these, contraindications just continue to be put out, continue to be taught, continue to be, uh, you know, put on the students. It does nothing. For example, let's talk about crossing the spine. First of all, schools, 
generally don't even teach electric stimulation. So why do they have any business even commenting on, you know, what you should or shouldn't do with, with uh, you know, uh, electric, electrical stimulus beyond me, but don't cross the spine. Is there, is there any data that shows that you can't do that? So or far as I can tell, the, the only time I've ever seen any data of not crossing the streams was from Egon and Ghostbusters, right? Right, yeah. Okay, well, you might have something there then. I mean, that's the only data that I've ever seen when you just, everyone knows you don't cross the streams. Crap, because what, what, can you just give us a refresher on what would happen? If you cross the streams, then imagine everything that you know obliterating at the speed of light. Uh, I can't even handle that at this point. Um, yeah, so, so, our, so I, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that's, that makes that's, sense. Yeah. So if we cross, it only makes logical sense that if we can't cross the streams, then if we cross right. e-stim across the spine, that it might actually obliterate our patient. Yes, and, you know, that that is basically the, <laughs> that's basically what the, what the fear tactic is. Yeah, so something will happen. The patient will explode or, or you know, burn out or something. Uh, why? Yeah, I, why, why, I think why Dan Aykroyd said it. Didn't, didn't Dan <laughs> Aykroyd say that it was like a, a full, a total proton reversal? Right. All right, so maybe, right. maybe that should be looked into a little more. Okay. You got me on that one. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, yeah. Want to, you want to be careful not to do that because if you cross the stream, as Bill Murray once said, that would be bad. So, but other than that, okay, there really is no data that explains why you shouldn't. What's the not, No, not that I'm aware of. Now, in fact, I saw, you know, Anthony was talking about that in the XTOR seminar that, you know, he, he puts them across the spine. Yeah. He puts them across so the spine and, and to, to date, no, right. So what's the, so the other one is, you know, the contraindicated points for pregnancy. I, I right. would ask that if anybody is on the Facebook group, if you come across anything that is, that, that's proof and not just, you know, not just like, uh, uh, well, anyway, uh, what, what I'm trying to say is try to post something that's actually legitimate proof that if you use these contraindicated points, you're going to cause a miscarriage. That is the biggest bunch of, well, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more calm about I this. I think the but, word, I think the phrase, I think the phrase you're looking for is that's the biggest load of shit. Yeah. I, and it's a concern because what are they basing it on? If you're going to be basing things on, well, just because this is what's been written for 2,000 years, there has to come a point when you have to challenge that and you have to say, okay, does that make sense? Has it ever happened? Is there one single documented case where that has happened? Because Right. Now, we, mm -hmm. I think if we say it right now, you know, for, for disclaimer purposes, of course, this show cannot be construed as medical advice. And, of course, we're going to advise you to always follow the rules that are set forth Absolutely. by your malpractice insurance, you know. Yep. Um, so, yeah, obviously, we're not saying exactly. we're, not, we're not saying don't follow these guidelines. What we're, what we're doing is we're just questioning them. And, far, and as far as getting, trying to get some real data, 
as to whether or not they need to be continue to be perpetuated. Now, that's what we're doing. So absolutely, by all means, this is not, uh, we're not recommending that you throw, throw caution to the wind and say to hell with it. But what we're saying is, what we're, what we're really, uh, what we're really doing is we're just kind of bringing it up and we're saying, why? Why? If it never has happened, if there's, well, maybe we should get that data together. Maybe we should get data that, 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 goes against what these contraindications are because maybe there, there is no reason for them and for people to be constantly scared, constantly scared because now we're practicing almost defensive medicine in the sense, or, you know, we're going to avoid certain things because we're so scared working on pregnant women when, it, when in fact it is quite possible that never has an acupuncturist caused a miscarriage. I'm just well, talking you know, about this is interesting. Maybe it never has. Mm-hmm. This is interesting because it actually calls up something that Travel had mentioned in his seminar about, you know, having it both ways. Like you can't say that you're doing traditional acupuncture and then yet be using these modern ultra, like, you know, the really ultra modern, you know, manufactured, perfectly sharpened ethylene gas, you know, sterilized needles because the reality right. of traditional, so-called traditional acupuncture was, was nowhere near these tiny little filiform needles that we're using now, it was like probably some like gigantic, you know, fish bone or rib, a stick, a sharpened stone, or maybe if like metallurgic techniques were available, certainly nothing to the degree of precision sharpness that we have now. So it's likely that anytime someone did a treatment, it was probably really traumatic to the body. And my hunch is that stuck some old, gigantic dull thing in large intestine four region on somebody or any other point for that matter, but particularly the hands and the feet because they're so heavily innervated. I mean, my God, you talk about a sympathetic response. Well, yeah, maybe that could cause a miscarriage back in the day when the needle was, you know, that traumatic to the person and maybe their whole body went into, you know, seizure. Well, and if we also, if we also take into account, you know, the times, you know, the, account for the period of time that, that, you know, that these kind of uh, claims came, came up, the degree of, can you imagine? And I wonder if this, I wonder, you know, I wonder if this might be another reason why acupuncture had moments throughout history where it was kind of dropped or banned or whatever, you know, um, there could be many reasons for that, but can you imagine the degree of infections that you would get from this? And if the body has a major infection, yes, a miscarriage is likely to happen, you know, but generally speaking, I mean, generally speaking, I mean, does it even make sense that given what, what women go through historically have gone through while pregnant and still carry to term? I mean, even today, I mean, you have, you know, people going to great lengths to get into this country crossing the border. I mean, how many miles of walking, dehydration, uh, you know, not eating properly, and those pregnancies go to term. The body wants to keep the pregnancy in a, an otherwise healthy individual, healthy, healthy person, right? So if you have an infection, though, and we really have to try to, try to think about this, like really try to critically think about what the hell was going on back then. And why would these things have come up? 
why would these contraindications have come up? But when you start thinking about, yeah, fishbone, dull implements, you know, major trauma at these acupuncture points, infections that follow, yeah, you're going to, you're going to probably, uh, you know, put the, put the, put yourself in a position where there could be a miscarriage, of course, you know? Yeah, I, so, I, I would agree there. And I would, that that would be my thought as well, is that like there's a correlation, of course, maybe back in the day. But yeah, exactly like you were saying, look at all of the circumstances in which maybe women found themselves throughout the ages. And so maybe one time an acupuncture was treatment done or, or several treatments were done and a woman had a miscarriage and they had to trace it back and be like, oh, it must have been, yeah. you know, this. Yeah. When in reality, yeah. maybe they didn't have a very good working understanding of, of, of an, infection, an infective process at that point. Or maybe they didn't understand you know, these, these major changes in the nervous system or hormonal system, or maybe, they, maybe there were, you know, co-parasitic infections or you know, there's no way of knowing. It's just applying a, a correlation and calling it a causation. And, uh, you and know, like you said, absolutely exactly. hard data. It's, that's exactly it. It's a correlation being pop. And it's not even a correlation because where's the documentation? Okay. The person's getting, somebody goes there and they're pregnant. She's pregnant. She's getting acupuncture. Why is she getting acupuncture? Because something's wrong with her. How do you know that that miscarriage wasn't from what was wrong with the original reason she was going and getting treatment? Well, exactly. I mean, this, this, there's, there's zero data. And that really is what bothers me the most is that we're taking just, you're taking, you know, statements from the past and now you're making current policy and you're really possibly, God forbid, if an acupuncturist does have a patient that has a miscarriage, really, how responsible is that that now you've now put liability on that person? You've put That's liability on that person. That's a very interesting point that you make because, like you said, it's one thing to say that in the past these points were contraindicated. It's another thing to make policy and liability yeah. around that. Yeah. Like, and you say, know, for instance, if you have somebody has like a trap trigger point, you know, GB20 or 21 or whatever that point is, I can't remember the number now, but if you meet that, you know, it's like, and you release the trigger point and the person feels better, but then they happen to have a miscarriage and now you're on the hook. Whereas in reality, there may be absolutely no connection there. And they're, and they're really, and as far as I'm concerned, there is no connection. You can't say there's a connection without proof. That, that is completely wrong. You have to first find the proof. And, and usually you start by fi- seeing case studies. Oh, yeah, we've, we've had this happen. Okay, now we look into why. Okay, but maybe it is a possible red flag. I don't even know of any data out there that has any cases, that, 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 that includes any cases where this has actually even happened. Needling gallbladder 21, has it ever caused a miscarriage? And also bear in mind, there's a big difference between the way that we tap the needle in gently and advance it until there's a small twist, and the way that the Chinese in mainland China needle and manipulate that needle so strongly. Very, very, you know? very strongly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, what's not, I've watched a thousand needles and got clamped passed out, you know. Well, so the thing is that, um, and I invite, again, anybody to put any case studies up that you, that you have. Um, maybe it's one... It, in three million treatments, um, again, does that even co- does that even create a correlation? You have to look at a data, and this has been a big problem with the field as a whole. I think is that you got to look at the whole picture. You got to actually get information. You actually have to you know analyze what's going on. You actually have to look at what's going on. This is completely irresponsible to have these contraindications 
if there is nothing to prove other than the wording of people from, you know, thousand years ago. And yeah, because as you said, all it's done is created a situation where um, you put liability on practitioners where there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. There should not be any liability there. You, you know, I mean, uh, it's just, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. So, you know, if they took really good records and you knew exactly what was going on with those people five, you know, hundreds of years ago or a thousand years ago or whatever, and you knew what was going on with them, you would see, I almost, I can guarantee you, you'd see there was a pre-existing or co-existing condition or infection. That what, you, is there that something going see. on in the background? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I just thought it might have been feedback. I couldn't, I couldn't tell. No, there's, they're being a little noisy in the background. All right. So, but yeah, that's, anyway, that's, that's where we're coming from. And that's kind of, that's why enough is enough, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So hold on one sec. Maddie, can you close the door here? Thank you. Okay, I'm back. All right, it's just how bad he closed the door. So, again, we're not saying to not follow this because, you know, it is out there, the information. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me be clear on what information. The claims and the contraindications are out there from our educational institutions. Um, so you continue to exercise the caution that's going to protect you, and that's going to, you know, um, it's just the right thing to do. But I think that we really have to start looking, looking at these things. And I really think we have to start critically thinking about a whole hell of a lot more, including this. Because this is just not, it's not making much sense to me. And, you know, again, even if you have one in three million, or, you know, we've had millions upon millions of treatments that one person has made a claim, you have to look at those treatment notes. You have to see what, was else, what else was going on. And, and, and that certainly doesn't even create a correlation. But my God, we don't even have a correlation. Right, like exactly. A, this is what it could cause. And so so that, that's kind of, that's it in a nutshell. So, and we're probably going to, well, if it stimulates discussion, fine. If people are going to be all angry, hey, we're not, we're not saying do anything reckless, not, not in the least. We don't so, we don't really ever shy away from people being angry anyway. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. And you know, come on, man. I mean, we gotta get this profession into the twenty first century. You know. It's great. So that that's that's just it. So that's it in a nutshell. Um yeah, we're gonna continue to push. We're gonna continue to hold the profession accountable. Uh, as far as, you know, if there's statistics out there that are grim, we will put them up. Or that's that's you know, sorry, but not sorry. Um, if there's a problem, we're going to try to address it. We hope other people will uh, also step up and, and try to, you know, and there are, there are many people that are helping out and, and trying to do the right thing. We really need to get an increase in membership of the acupuncture societies. Um, I, I just can't believe what they're working with. I've spoken with a few now and it's amazing. It's amazing what they are getting done. And they, but I tell you what, they're not going to be able to do it much longer. They're, they're doing it. They, they're competent people. They're, they're looking out for all of us. When you think about it, they're, they're looking to protect and expand scopes of practice. I mean, 
what the hell? Who else is doing that? We get to just sit around and hang out, right? And, you know, the least that you could do is become a member of your society. I promise you, if you are a state where there is, where dry needling is, is not, is, is not, how do I want to put this, basically, not allowed uh, to be practiced by other pro- professionals, okay, basically, uh, whatever, you know what I mean. If you're in a state where, you know, there is no dry needling concern, you can thank your society for doing that. That is no accident. That is no accident. That's, that's uh, a lot of work and a lot of money, okay? And if you're in a state where, you know, dry needling, PTs can dry needle, so there's a lot of work to do. How about expanding the scopes for acupuncturists? You know, there's a, a, a ton of more work to do. So just because, you know, a battle was lost, like in Colorado, does not mean that they're not still fighting it or that there's not more to be done within, you know, again, protecting and expanding the scopes of practice. So join, join your, um, you know, your societies. And uh, the CMTW, we're selling shirts and we're donating the proceeds to acupuncture societies. And uh, one last thing, our dry needling seminar, July 20th through the 22nd, it's three days. 10% of that is going to the Virginia Acupuncture Society. And we will do that in the future with other acupuncture societies in Florida, New York, you know, and, and whatnot. So I think that that's basically going to be a continuing, uh, you know, plea that you hear on the podcast because it's so damn important. Pluto, are you there? Yep. Okay. I, just, I agree. Having... I'm just, I'm in, I'm in silent solidarity with you. <laughs> silent solidarity. We're going to have to get a shirt with that, you know? Um, Except so... that I vote, so it's not really silent. It's not really silent. Yeah. So any, anything else to add? What else is no, everybody go out no? there, have a, have a kick weekend, enjoy yourselves. And thanks for listening. Yep. And, uh, Keep, keep, keep on keeping on. I, I, I've said this before, and now is a great time to be an acupuncturist. There's so much out there. There are so many tools, uh, so many um, ways of getting this information through other, other podcasts that are out there, um, Facebook forums, although I'm, I'm partial to our Facebook groups, of course. Um, but hop on, ask questions, engage, talk, discuss, and uh, – have a great week. Have a great weekend. It's Friday already. All right. Take care, everybody. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll do this again next week. See ya. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at 
at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.